May these words be in the name of the one holy and undivided Trinity. Amen. And before I begin, I'd like to acknowledge the Maricopa peoples and other peoples of the land and express gratitude for their stewardship of this place. Today, at the beginning of Hispanic Heritage Month, we commemorate Oscar Romero and the martyrs of El Salvador. Oscar Onufo Romero y Galdames was born to a poor family in 1917 in El Salvador. He wanted to be a priest from a young age, and at first he was deterred by his family's desire for him to learn a trade and make a living. But his father eventually consented to him attending seminary, first in El Salvador and then in Rome. He was ordained in Rome in 1942 and soon after returned to El Salvador, where he served as a priest until he was appointed bishop in the 1970s. Now, El Salvador during Romero's life was characterized by a devastating gap in resources between those who controlled the land and those who worked the land. As we hear in our passage from First Kings today, we know that disputes over land have been around for a long, long time. And not just disputes, but the wealthy and powerful seizing even more for themselves from those who have little. Whether it's Jezebel and Ahab, whether it's colonizing forces all over the Americas, or an oppressive government controlled by a handful of wealthy families, which is what we have in El Salvador. The country has rich farming land, and going back to the late 19th century, the government threw subsistence farmers off of their communal land holdings in order to grow coffee as a major cash crop. By the time Romero came around, the situation had devolved into extreme poverty for farmers and other workers, and any attempt by the impoverished to speak out or rebel against this arrangement was severely squashed by the Salvadoran army. Tensions grew between the government and any other kind of group seeking to take control of resources, regardless of whether they used violent or peaceful means. So fast forward to the 1960s, when clergy in El Salvador and other Central and South American countries were beginning to have conversations with campesinos, with, with farm workers. And they were beginning to ask the question together, what makes the good news good for poor and oppressed people? There was a growing conviction that the saving good news of Jesus Christ could not just be about a spiritual reality that would benefit them in the next life, but, there, but that there is good news for their lives here and now, and the gospel compels us to action. Small communities of campesinos led by priests began reflecting together on scripture and listening for what kind of life they were called to through the gospel. These reflections began to result in actions, such as workers demanding more equitable pay and better work conditions, and speaking out against the oppressive tendencies of the wealthy and powerful. So it, it is in this setting that Romero found himself, a conservative, loyal to the positions of the Roman Church, 
which enjoyed a comfortable relationship with the Salvadoran government and avoided anything that looked like political involvement. He wrote scathing criticisms of other clergy and movements that got the church involved in political action, and he critiqued the political activists as rebellious against the church and in error in their reading of the gospel. But as Romero grew deeper into pastoral relationships with the people of El Salvador, he was moved to compassion by their living conditions and their suffering. Over time, he may have grown to understand why his fellow priests were speaking out against injustice as they did, but he was still not willing to do so himself until 1977, the year Romero was named Archbishop of San Salvador his dear friend, Father Rutilio Grande, was assassinated on his way to Mass. Romero had seen other senseless and violent murders by government-sanctioned extremists, but with this one, he finally heard God calling him to become a voice for the voiceless and to continue his friend's work with the poor and disenfranchised. He finally began to speak out against the violence and oppression sanctioned by those in power against their own Salvadoran people. And he was transformed from a quiet, introspective priest who hesitated to speak words that could be perceived as political into a courageous, compassionate archbishop whose words inspired and encouraged an entire country full of suffering people to take up their full dignity as beloved children of God. Oscar Romero was transformed through many experiences of death. Of course, the deaths of his fellow priests and others doing prophetic work with the poor, but also smaller deaths. Anytime one has to repent and change course to say, my approach or my convictions were wrong before, it can be like a death. Moving from being a conservative, loyal priest highly regarded by the church and the government to being a loud troublemaker can be like a death. It's a change in identity of how one thinks about themselves, how others think about them. Even getting into the grit and mess with people who are suffering, allowing oneself to feel compassion for another in their pain is the death of comfortable, safe distance. But letting go of what has been before the death, rather than clinging to it, it makes room for something new and powerful and filled with the Holy Spirit. Oscar Romero and the martyrs of El Salvador, the three nuns and a lay missionary in 1980, the six Jesuits and their housekeeper and her child in 1989, all of these people have stories of courageous and prophetic service among the poor, and all of them were killed violently. And they all knew that they were at risk of losing their lives as a result of their faithfulness to the gospel. Oscar Romero was afraid at times, but his life and words echo Jesus's from today's gospel. Quote, those who, in the biblical phrase, would save their lives, that is, those who want to get along, who don't want commitments, who don't want to get into problems, 
who want to stay outside of a situation that demands the involvement of all of us, they will lose their lives. What a terrible thing to have lived quite comfortably with no suffering, not getting involved in problems, quite tranquil, quite settled, with good connections politically, economically, socially, lacking nothing, having everything. To what good? They will lose their lives. I wonder what kinds of smaller deaths we here today have experienced or might experience that lead to transformation. In what ways might we be called out of comfort to get involved in problems, to interact with suffering, to repent, to lose our comfortable lives for the sake of the gospel, and thus keep them for eternal life? On March 24, 1980, Oscar Romero had just preached and was behind the altar celebrating Mass when he was shot by forces that were trying to silence the gospel. He was in the act of giving away the crucified and resurrected Christ, whose love for everyone, especially the poor and dispossessed, gave Romero the heart to follow and serve him, gave him the courage to be a voice for the voiceless, and gave the people of El Salvador the knowledge that they are loved and worthy of dignity and freedom. For unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Amen.